You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode. He's back again, Mr. Godesee himself. That is the best Twitter handle I have ever. I wish I had a cool Twitter handle. Someone has an out of the blank one, but mm-hmm. they'd put pod. So then I'm out of the blank one. And I'm like, can I get this? Mm. Like they haven't posted content since 2017. Yeah, no, originally uh, I was just going to go for Godesee across everything. But then like some people have thought of the name before, but they didn't do anything with it. So I've just decided, yeah, Godacy podcast. I'll stick with that. I'm a podcast. I love it. But um, I actually got, nah, I shouldn't tell that story. Sorry. Um, no, you got to tell it now. You got to tell it now. There are other goddesses that function in other realms, uh, shall we say. And they have uh, basically said, hey, maybe you should change your name. And I'm like, hey, maybe you should change your name. Um, it's kind of like comedians they go and someone own, like someone owns i forgot what his name is i think it's hannibal burris owns like his actual like his website he just didn't have a website he has the name but he doesn't have the website but they own that and he goes can i have it back he goes yeah for fifty thousand dollars and he's like no i'd rather just start a new website but people will hold on to it thinking one day you're gonna hit famous or hit rich and they're buying like the guy um brett weinstein um owns or is it Brett or Eric? But one of them owns um, Pull That Up Jamie, which is Joe Rogan's catchphrase to Jamie that pulls up all of his facts. And he goes, you can't own his thing. He goes, I own it. You want to buy it from me? And it's like, oh, you guys are friends too. That's the crazy part. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. For some reason, it seems like that's like all the other goddesses that I'm aware of that currently exist are all concentrated in LA. So basically I'm the outlier that's on the other side of the country. So I, I don't know. It just seems like people in California are more willing to do that kind of apple with the net and with stuff like that. Well, if there's a bunch of people in LA with the same name as you, then that just means you got to, you know, head over there and <laughs> handle We'll do the Jay and Silent Bob thing where we just head over there and fix the problem for ourselves. Well, did you say this comment in 2002? Like, yeah, that was like <laughs> 20 years ago. It's like, okay. And then you just grab them through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, like w- the one that didn't contact me, like I looked him up and it's like this like women empowerment thing. It's like a weird name for that, but I'm for it. Um, but the other one is just kind of, I'm not, I'm not into this. I'm not going to acquiesce to this bullshit, but uh have you ever tried searching your name and then seeing who pops up? I have, yes. I've looked up, and apparently in other lives, I am a lawyer and a comic book artist. So Wow, dude. I'm only a fucking guitar player. <laughs> that's all. That's the only Robbie Robertson out there is a guitar player. But I come across people on social media with the same last name as me, and I lose my mind. I go, oh, my God, we're related, and I just message them. And I'm like, do my podcast so we can talk about the relation. Like, how You're basically me in another <laughs> in another area. They're like, I don't think that's how it works. I'm like, uh, probably not, but we have the same last name. I mean, come on now. Yeah, <laughs> that's more than enough. <laughs> I think since the last time we talked, I know we were getting like into like the Norse mythology side of things, but I didn't realize like in this past, like I think it's been a couple of months since we, what, six or seven months since we last Something like talked. that, yeah. Um, 
they're just the spark of people that are interested in folklore and mythology now. It's very, very interesting. And it's really weird because whenever I type in the folklore hashtag, I always get Taylor Swift. And I'm like, why Taylor Swift? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not nuts. Yes, I do. No. Um, so basically, like she came to Twitter and she said, hey, I'm releasing an album and some point during 2020. And I want to call it folklore. Can I buy this hashtag? And basically, like whenever folklore showed, showed up for a while, like basically from July to November, it showed up with like the Taylor Swift logo beside it. Anytime you typed in hashtag uh, folklore and it drove people fucking insane. Like at the time it, it started, I had just started getting into the hashtags because originally I just thought, I'll just put this podcast out in the void and see what happens. <laughs> and so for six months, I just kind of let it go. But then starting in August, I started getting into the hashtags mythology Monday, which is today and all the other ones. And that's when I noticed that the, the folklore thing, like I already kind of knew about the album. Everybody was freaking out. Oh my God, Taylor Swift is doing so good. And, um, but then like people just get so mad about it. Like, why can people who are popular not like use words? I don't get it. Like how did, how does, in, how does using the hashtag in any way deflate your ability to talk about folklore and folklore Twitter is big. I didn't realize it was this big, like you were saying, like, I mean, to me, it's mostly like the Brits started it. And then the Americans like, Hey, we should start doing this too. And then, so basically it's, to me, it's mostly a British realm. The people who get big are all British. Uh, but Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Yeah, there we go. But um, <clears throat> basically, people get really up in arms whenever it interferes with their hashtags, <laughs> um, which I don't quite get. But do you think the reason why, like, it's like it's definitely taken off, like it's a lot bigger than I think we thought it was, at least when it comes to folklore. But like now with a lot of stuff, it seems like it's very trending in the t like Pagan was just trending. And I was like, why the hell is Pagan trending? I guess it was a basketball player or some type of sports player. But right. It, it's a common last name. Yeah. But people took it like, oh, it means like uh, uh, some people like like you're one of your posts actually popped up when I hit the trending thing. And I was like, that's OK. So are we talking because I was interested. I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect things to get into and try and research of them having greg on and then is you think it's just primal though like people are just resorting to this because there is something when i'm playing like assassin's creed Valhalla and i'm running around as a viking just the overall like i don't know just the architecture the landscaping the myths the quests even if they're not exactly real but the stories of how they incorporate the gods and all that too i think it just it's a very entertaining like plot like i think the loki show probably does it best right now which is like showing different timelines and variants and different things like that like it's it brings people to the idea of this myth and folklore where it's relating it to comic books in a way and in a way it kind of discredits it a little bit but at the same time it also sparks interest in the actual topic itself right yeah like essentially it's you're it's you might think of it as like a, a baby's first paganism or baby's first mythology whatever these things are and like basically pop culture is always going to recycle what's old what's old is will always be new because nothing new is under the sun uh essentially i think that it is part of the primal aspect of it is like basically we can look back at these things and say hey our ancestors were into this why aren't we into this and things like that and to a degree we also feel kind of a kindred ship because there's a lot of shall we say unwe going on in our world today and we just don't feel like the connections we grew up with just aren't working and essentially there's a lot of toxicity with that there's a lot of damage that comes with it uh, so people are resorting to other things and looking to basically the past to make to forge their own future for the most part, we're looking for new ways to tell stories that aren't the same old, uh, basically Bible story or the same old uh, 
American mythology story we've been taught since grade school. And people are resorting to these things because they feel a connection to them. And it, at times it feels like it's not necessarily holding their hands like Sunday school would. That's not to say that like the Bible, whether you're Jewish or Christian is holding your hand because that shit's pretty esoteric. But um, the way it's been fed to us and fed to us in an abusive way is forcing people like, I'm sure the person, if who, who, who was the person before me? that apparently is also one of my followers oh carol uh carolyn tully um she's a pagan witch i think it's i think that's her actual twitter handle too is carolyn tully she's great she's awesome um t- taught me a little bit about pagan she's been on before you can check out her past episode but we always i like it's out of the blank so we kind of ramble off on some things but right yeah mm-hmm. it, it it's a it's very very weird because like she's being involved into that as like the pagan side of things and trying to understand that she also studies like the religion aspects of it too but also like how it compares to the newer age compared to some people like the old age types of things my thing that i'm on is like the concept of i've talked to people with psychedelic experiences i've talked to people who study norse mythology i've talked to people that are involved with bog bodies i've talked to people that are involved with like the whole like certain like sigmund all these types of people that are involved in all these stories and it seems like we're missing a major piece much like religion has kind of transcended through the ages and it's kind of at this point now where it's like it's still here but it's not as powerful as it used to be there was a branch off there someone left something that was supposed to go with it and it seems like that might be psychedelics in a way because now that they're sorting through all like these old chalices and finding that there was like psilocybin and all these things that were infused into our culture that didn't transcend to the age we're in now where it's like maybe that's the patch that fix a lot of things is trying to bring that back to understand the spirituality side of things i don't know but it seems like we're missing a core piece because we're basically ripping each other's arms off in the society we're in right now right and i would say that's definitely a, a byproduct of the enlightenment and the protestant reformation essentially we've gotten rid of these things because catholicism has a lot of these kind of like elated uh in anthropology we call it uh essentially an altered state of consciousness and uh i was a part of this anthropology society for a long time that specifically focuses on the experiences that people have while they're in these states like whether they're on ayahuasca or things like that uh and catholicism seems to embrace that a lot more than like i was raised methodist we do not embrace that we barely embrace alcohol but uh basically uh, and then in the Enlightenment, we've kind of got this cult of logos, the cult of logic, that basically logic is the end all of uh, human experience. And like, not to go back to the Greeks, because I, the more I'm interacting with folklore and mythology Twitter, the more I'm like, mm, we do a lot of things with the Greeks and people get caught up on things they don't need to get caught up on. Essentially, instead of being well-rounded, they focus on one thing. But uh, basically, the thing that we always go back to with uh western thought let's call it that is uh there's logos pathos and ethos and logos is the one that the enlightenment focused on it focused on logic it focused on facts it focused on all these things it kind of pushed the other two to the side and uh i would say the um a lot of uh a lot of the pagan side of kind of this i would not going to call it a movement because it's not a movement it's not remotely coherent first of all um is that uh there's been a bit more of a focus on pathos on emotion on essentially going through what makes us feel uh because a lot of these things like whether you're taking uh hallucinogens uh for whatever reason to get to an altered state of consciousness or whether you're praying to aphrodite or whomever uh you're essentially going into these states and you are Basically, it's a wellspring of emotion that goes through you. You're feeling something. You are feeling this connection to this 
divinity. You're feeling this connection to the world around you uh, because your mind has been basically altered by this uh, drug or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that like in modern psychology, there's actually a big movement to start exploring uh, hallucinogens and things like that as alternatives to the medicine that people take. So basically like instead of going into um, like here, take these four pills and maybe that'll help with your psychosis. Uh, <clears throat> you can instead take uh, a very small version of say LSD or something like that. Uh, and then it, it will give you a hit for about two weeks that will basically completely dis like cause your manic bipolar or whatever it is you have. Specifically, it's like severe stuff. Um, and essentially it's a treatment. It's a way for them to function in real life and not have to worry about these things. But because we've been so sanitized with all this focus on science, which, I mean, it is science, both ways are science, but essentially there's this kind of cult attached to it that basically you can only have this certain type of science that does not affect your mind that forces you to uh, act a certain way. Essentially that it's, it methodical is a good way to think about it. And, um, if you do not follow this method, then you are doing it wrong and you are not an enlightened gentleman, so to speak. Uh, and so I think we're starting to move away from that and people in science and out of science are realizing that we don't need to focus necessarily on logic and only on logic because the human experience is bigger than just, I think, therefore I am. Well, they made the most dangerous drug possible legal and they made all the ones that weren't as dangerous as that illegal caffeine is probably the most dangerous drug out there um they did a test on spiders they gave spiders caffeine they gave spiders lsd they gave sp spiders marijuana they gave spiders a bunch of stuff and they would test how they would make their webs at the end they had a bunch of pictures of webs the one on caffeine could not catch a bug it was sporadic as hell it looked like someone gave this person a bunch of cocaine and they just went all over the place and then they gave them marijuana it was more like creative it wasn't as structured and as complex as like a beehive they make it the little hex shapes it wasn't as complex as that and you get over and look at all the other drugs and they realize the caffeine one is the most like intense and like the one that's kind of the most dangerous in a way where it causes a lot of issues and they did multiple studies of this and i'm like it's that's very very strange i think it's also the part of like major with at least with spirituality you start to realize psychedelics was heavily infused into it and then it's like someone was like we got to pc it for the public and then they decided to make take the psychedelic aspect out of it like a lot of people get upset when they read the actual like true stories and folklore of things like when they look up hercules you mean it's not like the disney movie no it's nothing like the disney movie and it was Not very remotely. interesting to me because i'm a greek mythology nut and um i was looking through some old stories and one of the stories was about um aphrodite not aphrodite um hermit her oh god i'm gonna mess it up it's like it's supposed to be hermaphrodite but in like a greek saying of it and it was about a guy that was swimming in this river and this nymph had a crush on him and jumped into the water and started kissing and hugging on him and as he's pushing her away she prayed to the gods to make them bonded forever and they made him half woman half man now this is something that like a lot of people go like well it's issues we're dealing with now. It's transgender stuff that we're dealing with now. People think like they're of another gender. Same thing they're dealing with back then. Native Americans dealt with the same thing when it came to you were actually more powerful if you felt like a woman or if you felt like a man because now you can think from both perspectives. You were seen as like right. a wise Two person. Yeah. So I'm like, what's 
where, why are we not funneling it and handling it as well as we were doing before? Everyone's more on the attack or the offensive. And I look at it like, was it the psychedelics? Was it a deeper understanding? People talk about taking psychedelics and understanding more. I, I've never taken psychedelics, but I also don't think like people talk about it's a godly gateway to the gods. And I'm like, I don't think it's that. I think it's like poison ivy. It has a different reaction to people. Someone right. takes it mm -hmm. and it does a different stimulant reaction in your brain, maybe a defense mechanism of the plant to be able to ward off enemies from killing the whole entire thing. You only take a little bit, right? It's like microdosing. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, one of the main issues with that is that like the people who went out of their way to get made all this illegal during the last, I guess, 70 years is a good way to frame it, um, <clears throat> is that basically they got the absolute worst cases and made those the norm. Basically, like the people who think that they're a wall for all of eternity. Yeah, that's that's what will happen if you take this. Um, and essentially, I think a lot of that was kind of the uh, puritanical side of it. It's not necessarily religious, but a lot of it is religious. And what a, a lot of people don't realize is that the puritanical aspects of our culture stem from the religion, even if they're not directly religious, is that basically things that we take for granted come to us from this kind of protestant christian mindset so to speak like essentially um the prosperity gospel that if you work hard you will achieve and you will be rich and all these other things like that's embedded in our american dream but that's directly essentially coming from john calvin and other people like him and essentially by getting rid of these like supernatural experiences in our religion and doing so over hundreds of years, we've essentially decreased our connection to the world around us. And people are looking for that connection. They're looking for that, uh, basically a way for them to connect to the world and not feel like they're alone. And I think a combination of the internet and the sexual revolution of the sixties has forced us on this path to kind of basically reforge our own way, whether it's completely new or whether it's not. And I think there's a lot of judgment about people who are, um, either one or the other looking at the uh, basically at one another because like new agers like they look at pagans and say oh you're just being ridiculous those are cartoon characters and pagans are like we're establishing ourselves in this centuries millennia long uh tradition we're reviving it and these new agers are just making shit up and so essentially we're kind of just falling back on traditional tribalism as we start to do this uh, exploration instead of like building a community together we're building it apart there's um there's this famous chart that it gets reiterated sometimes in the pagan community that like it's it's a hierarchy of basically who looks down on who and it connects with a bunch of different things so like basically people who think they're vampires look down on people who think that they are werewolves look down on people who think they are fairies look down on uh people who uh think that they are dragons and or all gifts. these other things or ghosts yeah or like basically past lives and like are you a reincarnation oh are you a star seed do you think that you are um a reincarnation of a being Did you just assume planet? my astral sign i am a capricorn <laughs> with a pisces rising when they add that shit i can't follow that one yeah i'm I, i've got a question about astrology a lot of the time my main thing is like you are really into astrology how do you feel about astronomy because if you are into astrology one would think you actually care about the stars but if you're just like obsessed with people's personalities then you're just basically playing math magic at this point and maybe we shouldn't call it astrology because i don't know i think it's a double-edged sword though i think the port of like horoscopes i think it has a benefit of like trying like if you put a positive horoscope in there and say you're gonna have a great day you're probably gonna end up having like the will or the or the positive reinforcement that it might be a good day but i don't think it's gonna be as so much as like 
signs are all pointing in the direction that you're going to be famous and you're going to be a billionaire. Then you walk out <laughs> on the street and get hit by a fucking car. You yeah. know, I look at it like, I mean, back in the day, they did star mapping, but a lot of the <laughs> ways that they made the constellation were people taking like drugs to be able to see a fish coming out of a vase. Yeah, you know? otherwise it's just a bunch of fucking lines. But I, I think it's a double-edged sword on the concept of, I think it's important to have things like this, but I also think it's dangerous because then it also leads into the part where you can manipulate it to make whatever outcome you want. And most of the time when it comes to facts, most of the time when it comes to history, most of the time when it comes to this, it gets manipulated sometimes when people don't like the answer that they get. Instead of like, that's probably like, I don't, I'm, I'm no anthropologist, but talking to some, I've talked about the concept of like, who decided to write some of this shit down? There had to be <laughs> one person mm -hmm. that was like, I'm going to write all this down, but I don't really like this part. So I'm going to leave it out. And then that exactly future generations. It's so hard because even in a court, when they get all the documentation of everything that happened, you're sitting there, even though you're not in the wrong, but you did something maybe you shouldn't have. And you're like, oh, God, that does not look good. I don't want that included in there. But it has to because it needs to be properly right. recorded for future generations to understand. There's probably a bunch of shit that we're missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I think that on the pagan side of it, people need to be aware of, whether you're a fan of the stories, whether you're a religious follower or whatever, um, is that essentially you're getting one version's one person's version of the story. You're not getting all of them. Uh, and you don't necessarily know what people believed back then. Essentially, if you think Plato is the end all of Greek theology, so to speak, you're doing yourself a disservice because the point of Plato, he was this big philosopher. He wrote, he basically created Socrates as his D and D character. Um, and basically like he wrote these things down, but the reason that made him stand out was because he was calling these people out for these weird ass beliefs that like, oh, they don't believe in God the same way I believe in. And they believe the gods are literal and all these other things. He's calling them out. And that made him famous to other people who were like, yeah, that makes more sense. But he wasn't necessarily this great theologist. He was a philosopher first, foremost, and at the end. And by the end of his life, people thought he was out of his fucking mind because he tried his experiments in Syracuse and he failed. But, um, he ended up getting the last laugh because centuries later, he's basically the formation of major Christian theologies around the world. But uh, basically um, people there's a lot, I've encountered a lot of people who think that he and his version of Greek myth is the only version of Greek myth that basically everybody on the continuum of Greek, shall we say civilization, that's not correct of civilizations. Um, basically all of them believed the exact same thing and they didn't believe the gods were literal. Like I keep seeing this thing coming again and again and again is that people are basically like making fun of Christians who are literal, but they're also making fun of pagans who are literal, even though back in the day, most likely most people in ancient Greek, basically people in Corinth or people in Sparta, or people in the countryside thought the gods were literal. They thought that Zeus was literally a thunderstorm or thought that someone was literally shot by Cupid's arrow and is now madly in love with someone because they're acting out of their fucking mind. And basically um, it's this issue that people have where they, they are latching onto one aspect of these stories or one aspect of this philosopher's thoughts. And they're treating it like everything has to follow the schema. And I think a byproduct of that, it's going back to our logic thing is like, that's their working logic. And it's not good logic because they essentially they're working with part of the story or they're sanitizing the story so that it reaches the conclusion that they want. And definitely with horoscopes too, I think that people basically like look into things and they see things a certain way and they only want to see things those way. Like people who make these cutesy little posts, like if your man is Libra and rising, then you should da 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 da. And basically like all these little bullshit things were basically like break up with your boyfriend, 
I don't know who your boyfriend is. I have no context. Break up with him. The stars say so. It's it's the same concept of asking the magic eight ball what, what you're going to have for dinner. Oh, ask later. Well, dinner's now. I guess I'm not eating. Um, It's interesting because, like, for instance, like, I know uh, I've talked about this with a few Greek mythology historians that talk about the concept of uh, Medusa was being canceled not too long ago, or it was being like, people were freaking out about her story because everyone was like, it was cause a man was trying to rape her. And then she, she got to turn her whole life went down the shitter. I was like, well, no, she kind of prayed to a God that was jealous of the men that were chasing after her and decided to make her an ugly snake headed witch. And then next thing you know, it's like, people don't realize the core enemy of that is the God and showing them that the gods were as just like us. They had these snap personalities that could snap on an instant you know we looked up to them so much and we were in fear of them so much back in the day and then people look at it like no the whole moral of the story is that a man is trying to assume power over a woman and i'm like what are we fucking doing it's like it's like it's a damn story you should turn it to a snake lady it didn't happen it didn't happen it's just <laughs> i think it was someone taking drugs and they would see like <gasps> your head's full of snake or it was something where it was like over dramatic because it had a moral lesson to teach do i think jesus really walked on water no i don't do i think he turned water into wine no i don't but do i if he walked on water maybe he's standing in a shallow end of water i don't know because we hype things up because how many stories do you hear about now that happened 10 years ago? In 2012, the world was going to end. I don't remember anything really bad happening, but now if we only have future generations watching the 2012 movie, it's going to seem a little bit off on what, you know, they're going to have a distorted perception of what happened. Yes. And that's just one of the things that has to happen is that basically like history will be distorted based off of the media we choose to leave behind and what the Greeks left behind like essentially what people were consuming were these myths that we have we don't know all of the myths we only have like a small fraction of them and so we'll never like and uh, the reason that it's so contradictory is that there wasn't like one established canon it's like going back to the comic books basically there's a million different multiverses in marvel comics there's tons of them like there's marvel 616 that's the main comics that everybody consumes but then there's other universes there's the exiles universe age of apocalypse uh heroes reborn all these ridiculous universes and if say a thousand years from now uh somebody comes back to earth and they happen to pick up a comic and it's age of apocalypse they're going to assume marvel comics is just age of apocalypse if that's all they have and they're just going to assume that's the only version and then suddenly you get this other version where instead of being the hero magneto is the bad guy where in which that's the majority of the universes then suddenly you've got these two contradictions and that's the thing with greek mythology is that you've got these contradictions you've got all these different people were like well was Cupid born of Aphrodite or is he a primordial force or all these other things? We're basically like, there's a million different ways that these gods are born and we choose through essentially reproduction of those myths, which ones are perpetuated. So the ver basically the version of the Greek gods where it's the Titans and the Titans beget the gods and the gods fight the Titans and destroy them. That's one version of the story. That's not necessarily the only version of the story. Uh, and we are choosing to perpetuate that. And as we continue to, as Greek mythology continues to evolve, people are going to imagine them differently. So a lot of people think of the Titans as from the Hercules movie because they don't know any different. Uh, whereas, I mean, really the Titans just look like all the other gods. It's not a big deal. But basically um, people are just simplifying for the sake of mass consumption. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. It's just that um, for people who study it and people who like to consume the actual versions of it, then that gets kind of dicey for them. And they get kind of particular and they get kind of uh, defensive about 
their version. So a lot of people who are like essentially the white supremacist get really mad about uh, Marvel Thor and Marvel Loki and Marvel Odin and all these things. They're like, this is nothing like my gods. Well, you don't know what your gods were like 2000 years ago either. So maybe don't, you're, you're attaching yourself to a version of the gods that you yourself are, shall we say, inventing because Norse mythology is, have you seen that meme where basically it's uh, Taggart Egerton, the guy who played uh, Elton John in the Rocketman movie, uh, sitting in a car, he's just wearing like all black. And then next to him, Elton John is driving the car and he's in this like one of his flamboyant Elton John costumes. And it's like Norse mythology, if you listen to white supremacists, Norse mythology, if you actually read Norse mythology. How much white supremacy is in North, Norse mythology? Uh, zero. There is no Norse. There is no white supremacy. There's no mention of white at all. I, I don't say I haven't seen like people talk about like this racist shit is like on the road, and I'm like I I I could tell you I'm a minority in my town. There's not a lot of racism. I don't come across the average guy in their fucking KKK outfit standing on some. Maybe it happens, but I don't think it's as high up as everyone is making it sound. Like it happens every day. You can't walk to the store without running into a racist. I'm like I don't think that's a I don't think that's a thing. Well, in the Norse community, one of the problems is that it's not necessarily that there's more racist than there are not. It's just the matter of they are louder than everyone else. Like uh, last year during the pandemic, there's this group that's existed since the 70s. Um, I can't remember their name right now. But what they did was during the pandemic, they were basically capitalizing on all these foreclosures and whatnot. And there was a Lutheran church that had uh, basically gone under in this small town in uh, either Minnesota or Wisconsin. I can't remember right now. And so what they did was they bought it. They bought the Lutheran church and they converted it into a temple for their very, very fucked up version of Norse mythology, which has almost nothing to do with the actual like myths. Like basically it's just like they try to basically get certain stories in the myth and twist them into these, I guess, moral lessons the same way that Christianity does. And it always ends with protect your people, protect your land, protect your blood and be ready to fight whenever you're facing these people. And like they have like a really poor version like their, their social media is really shitty like i decided to when i found out about them i stalked them a little bit and for the most part i have just for my i have like i have like thousands of people who are blocked now because it's rather than engage with these people i just block them because there's a lot of people who are into the volk movement into the um i think you retweeted one of them you retweeted something somebody said to one of your posts like did you oh, not yeah, understand no, I, it yeah, basically, there's some, essentially, I got into a bit of a spat back in, I think it was early May with some Platonists who were also, uh, shall we say, um, European purists that think that Europe should only belong to Europeans and the definition of European is the version of European they grew up with, as opposed to like now, like 60 years ago, Italians weren't European. Do you know Michael Pollan? Michael Pollan, the name rings a bell. He's like, he was on a Joe Rogan podcast, but he said something I didn't necessarily agree with about like psychedelics. He thinks that peyote should only be strictly for the Native Americans because it's helped out their community so much. Right. But mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't think that's true. I don't think that should be a thing. I think they should help or you should try and teach everyone to understand the plant as much as they do. It shouldn't just be nobody creates a plant or no. If you want to talk about some divinity being or anything like that to limit it to one race, that's fucking ridiculous, in my opinion. I think that there's something to be said for it, but I think that at the end of the day, humanity is humanity and that culture is something that you should hold on to and you should keep for yourself, but um, not necessarily for yourself, but you should also basically be willing to share that with other people and the traditions that are basically very insular and prevent that from being handed out to other people. Like there's certain stories, like there's certain myths, uh, like 
I, I try to do my posts on Twitter and I try to do the stories for the podcast and I choose them based off of uh, what they say to me and whatnot. And I don't, I haven't belonged to a culture that, I mean, arguably I'm Norse, but I'm Norse generations ago. I haven't been Norse for ages, but like I, the, the season I'm working on right now is, Jap, is uh, Japan. I'm going to do a Matarasu. And I have no connection to Japan other than it's what my degree is in and it's what I love. And I have no connection to that. And the Japanese have no issue with you messing with their myths as long as it's respectful for the most part. And if you go and you infantilize- That's like that with anything though, but people go, no, you shouldn't study it because you're not Japanese. And like, that doesn't make any sense. The whole point, like anybody that like, for me, when you talk about mythology, even Greek, all as fascinating as they are, they were developed in a time when I think you needed them much like Christ is developed now. But I look at them like they're fucking stories for a reason. They're meant to inspire belief or magic. I don't think there was an actual God thunder that threw his fucking hammer menu or whatever you want to call it at people i don't think that happened but people can't really detach themselves from that a lot of people want to fall into this is 100 how it is then you get into the freemason shit where it's like they're ch they're chanting in robes trying to speak power of words to will things into the universe and into the physical realm and i'm like i don't think it's like that i think the whole magic larping shit was had a, a point and now we're not really at that point it's why people get mad at the medusa shit it's why people get mad at all this other stuff i'm like you should be able to study whatever you want to study because as i what i do draw the line at is though a lot of people like anthropologists have issues with the UK museum because they're owning a lot of stuff that belongs to other countries and they rightfully want it back, but they see it as like, we won this. So it's ours. If you're going to do that, if you're going to have someone like a mummified remains that should be returned back to their country and they want it back, but you're refusing to do so, then meet halfway because you're not going to give those people to give up what they got. They're not going to give it up just for nothing because of your culture. Nobody in the world ever does that. That's that owns a business like this. You need to hire someone from that culture and you need to have them take care of that exhibit because they're going to be more attached to it, much like you're attached to where you were born. Even if you only live there for a couple of years and you moved away, you're still from there. It's your fucking home. It's a part of you. It's why people get mad when other people talk shit on the United States. If you're from here, you can talk shit. But if you're not from here and you're talking in, if somebody from here hears you do that, it's like protecting your family member. You're like, hey, that's where I'm fucking from. Now you're insulting me. So if you own a piece of the, if, for the UK museum, if they're not going to give it up, if they're not going to give it up, if you own it and you're not giving it up, you need to hire someone from that culture that's going to maintenance and take care of it because they're going to be personally invested because it's a piece of their home. It's a piece of their culture. That means they're going to rightfully treat it and make sure it gets the best amount of attention as possible and not be pushed off into a corner somewhere and neglected. The major pushback against that would be that uh, if you're a member of the British Museum and you're British and you're in charge of, say, the Egypt, the, the Egyptology um, exhibits and whatnot is that well the egyptians let it languish for two thousand years they obviously weren't that attached to it and basically it's it doesn't really hold a lot of water i mean there's something to say if like so with when isis was destroying roman and assyrian monuments because they thought it was idolatrous like a couple of years ago they're making like, a comeback somebody just said it in the news they said isis is back i'm like that's a dead bit drop it that's dead <laughs> can move on it's been gone yeah. for four years but uh, basically, they were intentionally going out of their way to destroy these things and try to hold people hostage like, hey, oh, you're a Christian and we're destroying parts of Nineveh. Maybe you want to buy it from us so that we can get money from you. And essentially, like people's thought is like, well, yeah, OK, now Hobby Lobby has a right to go buy that, even though they're like Hobby Lobby stupid. They're just buying fakes. But um, other people like going out of their way to go and find like there's uh, that famous uh, case at the beginning when ISIS got a hold of I think it was Palmyra. 
there's this really famous um, archaeologist who's from Syria, who's lived in Syria and is a Syrian archaeologist who focuses on Syrian sites. And so what he did was he got all this, all the uh, famous artifacts that were in Palmyra, like at the museums that are at Palmyra, and he hid them. And so when ISIS rolled into town, they got him and they said, all right, show us where you've hidden all the things. And he said, nope. And so they killed him. And like, it was this really famous case where like, they got it, like, there's a video of it. They put his body on the gates of uh, Palmyra for a couple of, I guess, basically until a bird flew off with it. And just all these awful shit. And it wasn't until after, uh, I think it was actually the Americans uh, who found the site. And they actually did find the artifacts. Because um, I guess ISIS just sucks at looking for things. But um, basically, um, one of the other things that I wanted to go back on is that, uh, so with the idea that these are stories and all this other stuff, the Japanese, um, there's a little bit of pushback on that because the imperial family is descended from the sun goddess in their own reckoning of things, is that basically they claim that the imperial family, which is the oldest imperial family in the history of humanity, uh, they've ruled continuously for at least 1800 years, arguably 2000, maybe longer. Um, let's say they have a 5,000 year old history. So when they're doing yeah. things, they don't even remember why they're doing it. They're just doing it because it's part of their culture. They, they have, they have versions of like in their own myths, like why they do the things that they do, like why uh, certain things evolve. And then like, if you go back into the archeology, span like civilization has civilization, humanity has been in uh, Japan for over 40,000 years. And that's more than some places we know of. But um, basically the idea is that they are connected to their myths, not necessarily in a religious way, but it's something that they're going to do no matter what. Um, it's like there was the, the, the part of the Treaty of San Francisco was uh, that um, basically uh, Hirohito, the uh, Showa emperor, the emperor that we all know is like the big bad guy of Japan, even though that's eh, it's kind of true, but not really. Um, he was forced to go on the radio and tell the Japanese people he was he was not he was not a god. And to the Americans, like we we put it forward as this big like thing. Oh yeah, look what we did. We ended World War II when we forced their emperor to say he wasn't a god. At no point did Hirohito claim that he was a god. Like that's not the way the Japanese people understand their emperors to be. They don't think they're gods. They don't think that they're divine in any way. They just happen to be descended from Amaterasu through her children who came down and had kids and with humans. And that's how it goes. But they're not gods. So basically the declaration that uh, we are uh, the imperial family is not god sorry yolo um that didn't really mean a lot to the japanese people they didn't really care like life continued to go on and they still they still go to shinto temples anytime a kid is born anytime that they need to go and basically do their purity rituals uh and so they they have always had kind of a not necessarily ambivalent but kind of a back and forth relationship with their myths and that their spirits, uh, kami, yokai, obake, whatever you want to call them, um, they basically, there's a lot of people who are very literalist about it. And it's like, okay, oh, don't go down to the creek by yourself, or you're going to be captured by a kappa, uh, or kappa, if you want to be more precise. But um, basically, there's also a lot of people who are willing to be playful with it. And a lot of the yokai, like a lot of the monsters that you see in things like anime and whatnot, were literally invented by artists who were bored over the last 400 years, where people today treat them like, oh, people have always believed in things like uh, this yokai, the shirime, or other yokai and obake. And basically, these spirits, they understand that there's kind of a back and forth that without humanity, these spirits don't exist. And whatever the natural forces that they are meant to represent, they're going to exist no matter what. It's a matter of like essentially observation. And you could say that there's an element of uh, drug 
inducement that they kind of see things that aren't necessarily there. Uh, and that would have been true in their culture up until the 1880s, where basically they just went cold turkey on a lot of their uh, their sociocultural spiritual side of things, where basically they decided they were going to create a Western-style religion out of Shinto and that everything else was going to get thrown under the bus. Sorry, Buddhism. Sorry, all these spiritual traditions. And basically, they tried to imitate uh, Enlightenment-style Western republics by getting rid of this connection to this world around them. And so that is kind of the norm now. Like, and you can kind of see that now with uh, the way that the Japanese treat drug laws. They have one of the most intense drug laws in the world, especially with like marijuana and things like that, that we wouldn't necessarily like care that like, they don't care about cigarettes. It's like over 50% of the adult population smoked. I think that stat may not hold anymore, but basically most people smoked in Japan and everyone drank, like everyone uh so they those two they hit and they hit hard but every all the other drugs like you can get like life in prison for that stuff and that's even as a foreigner like if you're japanese it might be more lenient but like if you're somebody like if you're an american who goes over there and you, the consulate does not get involved in your case then you could end up in prison for 20 to 40 years for just hitting a doobie yeah yeah singapore you actually get killed if you're caught with pot mm -hmm. on you so yeah yeah, Singapore is much worse, but I, I think it's just wherever I guess the more valuable resource, like when it comes to psychedelics and stuff, that's more like Norse and Greek mythology type uh, era influence, I would say, because it was probably more, I guess, resourceful there. Like it was kind of easily found compared to Japan. And you don't really hear about psilocybin mushrooms going, but like in Norse mythology, you always hear about fly algaric mushrooms because they just grew like kind of everywhere. Um, but with it comes to Japan and stuff like that, that's just a very like interesting one because like i mean even in, with north korea for instance their calendar only goes back to the start of the Un, or the kim jong-un family like at the very very start is that what how far their calendar goes back so it's like how much are they only letting you know basis on like i don't think they care that much about the folklore myths as much as people do over here or people do in other uh, areas of religion they see more of a structuralized industry rather than seen as more of like a, a folklore myth or fairy tale type thing uh it, it it seems like that to us but to them they have their own versions like we have things like goldilocks and three bears or like us uh, basically all the all the stories we're, we're raised on all the fairy tales all the like we know some greek like there's like a there's a bottom line on how much greek myths people know uh or arthurian legend that's probably a better example because like almost everybody knows at least who king arthur is or at least who merlin is but um basically in japan they have their own versions of that they have uh where they have momotaro and they have utaru uh and all these other people that like there are these famous fairy tales and they tell basically certain things about japanese culture and bottom lines they want everyone in their culture to know and uh we don't really hear a lot about them because they're not really interesting to us and they require a lot of cultural context like you have to know what an oni is you have to know why are these kids being born out of peaches that's a weird concept and all these other things that basically that in P we over here, we have no interest in knowing unless we are interested in knowing. Uh, <clears throat> and basically um, with North Korea, like there's a famous example that in 2011, I think it was, uh, they found uh, there was an archaeologist. And I mean, take this with a grain of salt because it's North Korea. Um, they said that they found a tomb of a previous, uh, shall we say, emperor is not the right word, but king isn't either somewhere kind of in between of a previous dynasty. Oh, he had a grave. And inside of that grave, he had uh, a kilin, or in Japan, they've called a kirin. Um, and basically it's, people call it an Asian unicorn. It's not an Asian unicorn, it's a lot more complicated, but basically it's this creature that's a combination of 
like a dragon, a lion, a horse, chimera, and all these other things. Basically, it's, it's it's like a chimera, except it's like it looks it's like it has one head and it's made of these multiple parts. Um, and basically, they said they found a tomb with one of these things inside of it, and everyone and like everyone's just kind of like laughing, like yeah, sure they did. Um, but the reason why they did that is that they are using the mythology that everyone on the Korean Peninsula, whether you're north. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, North or South Korea. Everybody knows this myth. Everybody knows what the Kirin is. Everyone knows that a uh, Kirin, I have no idea if I'm saying it right in the Korean or the Chinese because I don't, I don't speak those. But um, basically, they know that those, uh, that this creature is uh, a heavenly embodiment of an auspicious moment and that it is a blessing to see one. And it means that good things are going to happen to those who do see it. And so by finding the body, that means that, oh, the Kim family is going to continue to rule in posterity forever and ever, and it's going to be great. And obviously, over the last decade, we've seen a lot of tumultuousness in North Korea, and there's a lot of questions now on um, even if uh, Kim Jong-un is even in charge, or if his, uh, is it, I don't remember if it's his sister or a sister-in-law is basically I, in charge of the I country right now. I think it's right his now. sister. They invited, yeah. like, the sister came out of nowhere, like a weird reality show where it's like, now you got the evil sister that comes in. And it's like, it's look, my area of expertise when it comes to anything that's overseas like that is just with the CCP who I have the biggest issues with because of the amount <laughs> right. of craziness that goes on. Not really the folklore, but when you look at the folklore, like the way you were explaining a little bit, you think it's just a concept of like when they like, it's interesting to dazzle the hair and throw the little magical pixie dust to the kids eyes when they're little but as they get older it's a little bit less adapted to their lifestyle when they get older it's not seen as like a giant thing as much as people today over here it's like there are people that are 70 years old that are like there's a guy in my town 60 something years old that rides around on a bicycle with a giant cross throwing flyers at people he's been doing it every day for like 15 years of flyers of mm. jesus christ just throwing them out of his thing i'm like and over here we have scientology people believe that type of stuff and build buildings for it when over in japan they're not really fighting over religion they kind of have like here's what we are all kind of taught and then we don't really go through this entirely 100 percent. right and uh, i think the big issue there is that in here in the united states and in europe we've had this culture for a long time where it's like <clears throat> do you believe in god and the answer is it, it is a yes no question I'm sorry. And you said, do you believe? I was like, do you believe in life after oh, love? love? Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, like Cher has now superseded all of my Methodist upbringing. But um, basically, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, Pastor Rodney. Um, anyway, uh, basically, the idea in the West is that these are yes, no questions. And if you believe yes, that means you believe in all the things that go along with that in whatever version of it is. Like, so basically, if a Baptist asks you, do you believe in God? That also means that you probably don't believe in dancing, too even though that's like, it's a much more complicated question than that, but it's this yes, no binary mentality where essentially like, if you flip the switch, everything on this side goes. If you flip the switch down, everything is off. So if you don't believe in God, you're automatically lumped in with all these other people who don't believe in God, whether it's Muslims, Jews, atheists, and all these other things. And like, oh, well, Christianity doesn't do this. And so suddenly you're lumped in with all these other people. That's not the way it works in Asia. In Asia and in other places, um, and Africa is included in this, even though with the Islamic and the Christian parts of Africa, it gets kind of dicey with that too, because they're also really into this, like, I like to call it a, a, a convert zeal, because basically they are so zealous that they can only see things in their new worldviews way. That are basically, um, they kind of go into a lighter example of that. My brother-in-law has recently converted to Catholicism in the last couple of years, and it has completely switched the way he sees the world. Like everything oh, really? that... Uh, he just turned 30, I think he turned, he might have turned 31 two, uh, two months ago, 30, I think. Wait, so 31? And, mm -hmm. 
and he's now going to Catholicism. Uh, he converted to Catholicism, I think, when he was about twenty-seven. Okay. And so, basically, like he was raised Methodist, like my wife was, and um, basically, he like. He would be talking to my wife and suddenly he would be talking about Martin Luther in a way completely different from the way he was raised, completely different from all these other things that basically like Martin Luther got all these things wrong. It's like, did he though? Did he? All right, and like, for, it's not necessarily wrong or right. It's just like for the audience, though, you got to make sure you clarify Martin Luther, the one who posted his theses on the church, yes. not mm -hmm. the Martin, not Martin Luther, Luther King. King. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Not that guy. It's not a cri critical. Because I was trade. about to go. They killed him. The government <laughs> killed him. I didn't know. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, so basically, like he like it's, it's not an annoying way. Like he is actually much more. I would argue he's a more progressive Catholic than a lot of the people who are not in America. Uh, and it seems like America and, and Africa and parts of maybe the Philippines are very conservative. And then like South America and Europe are maybe a bit more progressive. Uh, so he falls more in line with the progressive stuff. He, I would say he's more like the Pope now than the Pope 10 years ago. But um, basically the idea with that is that there's that binary uh, switch. And whereas in uh, East Asia, that's not the case. You can believe in multiple things. Essentially it's a yes and. Uh, there's a lot of people who in Japan, for example, like when you're born, you go and you get registered at your family shrine at the local shrine. You go and you put your name on the registry and that's where it is. That's actually an official government document, but it's handled by the Shinto shrines. Um, and so when you die, uh, you go to a Buddhist uh, temple and that's they handle the dead because there's a lot of stigma about death in uh, Japan. You don't want to handle the dead. Normally in Shinto's rituals about death were eliminated a century ago. So basically you go to the Buddhist temple, they burn your body, and they put the ashes in a family spot at the Buddhist temple, at the cemetery that's run by the Buddhist. Uh, basically, that's that's life and death. Everything in between is your choice, and it doesn't it's not informed by like, oh, I'm Shinto, that means I only believe in the kami, or oh, I'm Buddhist, that means I only believe in the Buddhas. You believe in both. And half the time people will also go to church because they like the feeling it gives them, they like the ideas that it might espouse, and uh they I mean People who are religious in Japan are looked down upon. People who are just like, oh, I'm Christian, but I'm only Christian. Um, they're looked down upon in Japan because they're like, that is bordering on mental, like essentially they would see it as kind of similar to a mental illness. Uh, because essentially instead of like accepting all these things as potentially true or all these things as um, something you could potentially draw from you're choosing one thing and one thing only and that's weird why would you do that why would you limit yourself like that and it's not necessarily limit yourself it's more essentially the idea that you are choosing this and you are choosing to see the world in only one way and they're much more into multiple not realities but multiple worldviews uh in japan in and technically in china too like i know the a lot of people harp on the fact that the communists got rid of religion and they actually went out of their way to do that really uh really badly in china specifically but uh they also protected a lot of those places and turned them into uh, basically cultural centers or things like that and now since basically post mao in a lot of places in china they've actually allowed their religions to continue to function and so chinese folk religion which is arguably the largest religion in the world continues to be practiced and it can actually continue to be practiced during the Maoist era as well. It's just you had to be really low key about it. Uh, and so um, recently in Chinese uh, state literature, the stuff that they kind of propagate through schools and whatnot to kind of build you into a good communist, um, a lot of it's starting to reference things like Taoism, uh, starting to reference things like Confucianism, things that Mao was like, these are backwards and we should get rid of them. We should only focus on trying to build a good communist utopia. 
um, things that he looked down upon and he got rid of, people are now using those as part of the state propaganda of the communist system that like, look, here are these parallels going back to the time of the Han dynasty, the, the Qin dynasty. All these dynasties in the past, they had things that make a good communist citizen. Like, look how they just didn't question their emperor, that there was a natural order of things, all these things. That's basically what we want now. That's why would you not want to be a good uh, subject to the emperor? I mean, I'm sorry, to uh, Xi, Xi Jinping. Uh, and basically, they're starting to use it as a new form of propaganda rather than limiting themselves to what would be seen as a Western form since communism was created by some well, German people. They're turning it against the Muslims. That are, um... Yes, they're using it specifically against like they've always persecuted Christians and Muslims have been kind of dicey. But since basically Muslim militantism has gotten pretty bad, uh, there's they started concentration push, camps. Yeah, concentration camps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so but like uh, the Uyghurs not have not always been treated this way. It's only been in the last 30 years basically um our uh, our son's best friend his mom is from that region she's not Uyghur. um she uh she, she's also not muslim uh her her sister-in-law is but she's not and so she's kind of basically like prior to shortly after 9 11 they didn't have any of these concerns there were no there was not no persecution there was no issues basically you could just walk down the street and hang out with each other but then bombs started going off in the street in uh, her hometown, which is the major city in that region that basically most of the Uyghurs that have been captured are from. Uh, and that's when things started changing. And it's basically that's when things get, started getting a lot darker. And so like her brother-in-law, like or her brother rather, um, he, he used to be a member of the Communist Party, but he had his party sh uh, membership revoked and his PhD revoked from the university he went to. Uh, and they think a lot of the reasons for that, like he, he's, he's not, he's a good communist. He believes in the cause. So they think what it is, is that the fact he's married to a Muslim woman and that that's the issue. And so basically they've made his life a living hell because of that. It's so fucking weird how they look at things in such the weirdest way. Like um, Fast 9, they made John Cena apologize for rec recognizing Taiwan as a country. So he had to make a public apology in Mandarin to China. It's the weirdest thing seeing this big American dude apologize in fluent Mandarin. Apparently, he learned it during his WWE days um, to be able to do acts. Of, but you look at it like, I guess I can under, I can get it. I see with their perspective of like, if you are afraid that something's going to tear up your government and they're the, you're just going to label one thing and then call it that and then make sure they can never be able to do so. That's horrible. Mm -hmm. But I don't like, it's just, that's just so nuts to me, man. It seems like everything has a issue. Every country has obviously its own issues, but every country has a different understanding of what the hell is going on in each individual spot. I mean, it's like you were saying in the beginning, it's very, very difficult to understand any of this. If you're not particularly interested in it, because right. every other mm -hmm. country, like they don't teach any of the J Japanese folklore over here, any of the myths, you have to be personally interested mm -hmm. in that to go search it up. And surprisingly, we're seeing a lot of people that since I think with the power of social media and the power of just internet in general, you're seeing a lot of people come across those, uh, like the average meme or whatever, where you see the the lady with the giant eyes and like a weird like beak looks like a bird or something. Yeah. And then they're mm -hmm. like, oh, that's in, that's a folklore from over there. And the next, you know, they're searching up over that and they're learning more and more and more and getting super interested mm -hmm. into it. Where I'm like, I don't I don't believe in God, but I also don't know. I'm open minded, which I think mm -hmm. is probably one of my best qualities and is probably my worst as well, too. Um, <laughs> only on the concept of I don't. I think everyone has their own perceptive and their own story and their own unraveling of how they think that the way that they think. And I would never dismiss anybody of that. Even if you're a flat earther, if you're a Scientologist, I want to hear your perspective because I think of everyone right. as an information code. It's so easy. Why would you limit yourself to one thing when you can be open to it all and try and take a little bit of everything and understand it while still crafting out your own opinions? 
Right. And I think a lot of that is in like this, it's kind of a two-way street on it as far as it goes. It's like a lot of people have this issue where they don't want to, essentially it's gotten to the point where offending someone or offending people that you like that can get bad for business or bad for you personally, professionally, whatever. And so people are kind of pushing against that a lot. And then like, there's also a side of it that's kind of very puritanical and you see people on the right saying like, Oh, the left is like so much for the tolerant left and all these things. Like, but you can only believe what they want. It's wokeism, all these things. And there is something to that, but they also fail to realize that like they are maintaining the same party lines. It's part of the uh, polarization of our culture right now is that basically like it's this idea that if you don't see things a certain way, then you are absolutely incorrect and you are unforgivably incorrect. And there's no coming back from that. There's no way that you can uh, be canceled and come back from. It. I mean, like, of course, there are examples where people do come back, but um, basically the part of cancel culture that people fail to realize is that it's not bound to a single ideology. It's not a leftist ideology. It's not a, I mean, and it happens on the right constantly all the time. Um, Milo Yiannopoulos is a really good example of someone who gets canceled regularly on the left, but on the right, he's also been canceled several times to the, the point fact where that they idiot. got him was nuts to me. I mean, I get why, but the fact he was a gay guy married to a black man who was also like, just been has all these crazy things and he's Jewish. And I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. you're like everything that they're like talking about. Like you're the exact person that they're trying to represent and protect. And the next, thing you know, he got canceled, but he did say some crazy shit about like, Oh no, he's awful. Yeah, yeah like yeah, I, 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 he's he's indefensible. I get why he was canceled, but the fact that basically like they propped him up as like this token gay guy. It's like, oh look, he's gay and he's on our side. That means that da 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 da, and like he has all these things that he says about the gays. That, like he's anti-gay in certain ways. That oh, that goes along with what I believe. So I'm going to prop him up. And like essentially, it's an it's an alliance of convenience. And I think that part of that's also on uh, like on the left. Another example that's like Sean King uh, deleted his Twitter yesterday. And like he's this big boogeyman on, on on to a lot of people because like is he actually black? Do we know? Are we sure? Because his birth certificate says he's white. Who was and, that lady that came out saying she was Native American uh, or African American and she wasn't? There's a lot of there's a lot of cases on the Native American one. Dolezal, a lot of back Rachel Dolezal. Yeah, her. Yeah, she's the one who like was uh, transracial, which and guess what? She supported the guy who went transracial and went to. There's a white guy that turned into Korean. He got surgery and everything to do so, and she supported it. And everyone's like, "Didn't you fucking say you were a different race and you weren't?" It turned out to be wrong, but she was like, "Well, that, that doesn't mean anything now. I'm supporting someone. And I I don't care what you want to do as a person. I don't. Um, but the interesting thing is Tim Dillon. I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, he's like a mini Alex Jones in a way. He's he's like more like thorough with a lot of his Mm -hmm. shit but he's gay he's a gay guy and he was talking about how there was an event a bunch of um lesbian people held an event and they wanted it was only strictly women strictly lesbians in this thing but they got it shut down because a trans a trans person came in but they still had their dick and they're like this isn't really about like you're trying to come in here and hook up with other girls like this is a lesbian a strictly v no p and there was a big issue with it. And it's like, then what do you, I don't, I don't even get what's right. Are we just going to keep tearing ourselves apart here? Like, I don't understand. Like there's a guy that shut down a all women's comedy night. And you're like, mm-hmm. why does he give a fuck? Cause, cause he wasn't allowed in because he's a guy and it's like, okay. But it also happens on the other side too. If there was an all men comedy night, like 
it would be pretty bad too. It's just weird how you view things depending on how it's gone in society for so long. Right. And I think there's a lot of that is it's just hard for people to flip the switch that essentially like, oh, I get it now. I, I understand why trans women are women. I understand why this or why that. And there's a lot of people who are just pushing back against that. And it's like, and I think uh, with uh, feminism in the UK versus feminism in the US, there's a lot of issue where basically people are choosing to see things in a certain way and like, they're not meeting in the middle. And I, I'm, I'm fully on the trans women as women side. I, I'm firm about that and I am indefensibly firm about it actually. But um, at the same time, I'm not going to like burn a cross on someone's yard over it. Uh, and I know First a lot of, of all, are, the like, amount of time and effort it takes to even do that is a fucking task and a half. Why the hell would you even go that far? I know, but you know, people do their thing. But the fact that people like uh, J.K. Rowling, she just she, she just won't give it up. Like she's going to continue to basically do this. And like she, she she at this point, she's not doing it because she's standing out for like a political reason. She's doing it because she knows she's going to get a rise out of people. And like when she did that like thing that. this weekend and basically like, I don't even remember what she was saying, like saying, supporting somebody for a non-issue. Like the, the original case she's talking about, she's trying to support somebody's livelihood. The fact that they got fired because they were anti-trans uh, or so that, so the accusations went. It's, it is a complicated case, but I fall on the side of the courts that decided against her. Uh, or I, I fall on the people who fired her for being anti-trans because there was some issues with that. Like there's, there's some ethical concerns that are separate from the her being anti and she is anti-trans, but whatever. Um, the fact that basically she's doing it for, to get a rise out of people. And like, uh, uh, I guess it was a month ago, Stephen King, like she was do like doing her anti-trans thing, her, her turf thing, so to speak. And Stephen King, uh, like he's been a, like somebody who's been a big supporter of JK Rowling his for basically her entire career is like, he, these are great books. I love them and all this stuff. And so he said something to the extent of um, you are a saint and almost all subjects, but on this one, you're just wrong. Trans women are women. And so she blocked him over it. <laughs> like she got a rise out of the people she wanted to, but suddenly someone that she respects is saying the opposite of what she wants to be out there. And so she just shuts him down. Like, she just like, no, I'm done with this. This guy that has supported me my entire career, I'm done. I have, um, I like, I, I'll stick where I've always stood is I want people to do whatever they, I don't really care as long as you're not harming anybody. But I do draw some lines when it comes to sports. Like, I just, I look at that, like, there's natural and unnatural competitions for bodybuilders. You can make a sec separate league if you want to be, like, because I've seen the rich, whatever, Fox, whatever her name was, that was a, didn't disclose she was a guy her whole life and was recently, the past two years, a woman and was beating the shit out of people in UFC, like, gendered chicks, um, which is, I mean, it, it, the body composition does not match up her. She's fucking huge. And was just, I mean, even there were professional fighters like Cyborg was like, hey, what the hell is this shit? Like, this isn't normal. I start to look at like, I mean, the, you got to see the point on that side. But at the same time, like, I also don't like the chick that smoked weed and was in the Olympics. I don't fucking like that either. I don't want you on any drugs, any other different advantage than whatever you have naturally should not be fucking fucking with the other shit. So part of my issue with that is that in her in, in her case in particular, uh, the fact that she had essentially her testosterone was her main hormone for the majority of her life that that did do certain physiological things to her body. Yes. But the question is now that she has been on estrogen for two years, like essentially if she's gone through the full process, which two years is a short amount of time, I'm not sure you can fully go through the whole process, 
but essentially your body um it's essentially studies have shown uh for the most part that if in this is mostly in college and high school sports so basically you, your body is not like fully formed yet essentially it's going to be your mid-20s before you're fully formed um is that if you are able to transition in those younger years that your body will essentially be effectively the exact same as uh if you are a if you are assigned male at birth and you transition to be a woman during your teen years, that means that your body will essentially function fully as a, uh, as a woman uh, once you fully transitioned and then yeah, you'll have my, the exact same amount of estrogen and whatnot. My point uh, is this guy was 30 years and then right. switched and so over. And then that, that does create issues that ethically we're going to have to analyze. And I think a lot of uh, these uh, organizations, international organizations that decide these things, they are, it's kind of a pendulum swing because the the issue that started with all this stuff because like back 40 years ago uh people who were transvestites as the old term was um and that was the pc term back in the day um they called them queens back in the day too well yeah they called them queens but like that's a specific community and there's actually a lot of issues with like the drag community and like essentially that being a kind of a cultural appropriation thing. and they exploited on a damn tv show yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a lot of problems with that, but I'm also like, it's, it's, it's only partially something that I'm like, it's, it just, it, I, it just inflates stereotypes too, right. which is an issue. But um, one of the major issues is that during the uh, Olympics, during the eighties and nineties, they started to note that certain women had um, hormone balances that made them, Oh, like, why do you have so much testosterone? Are you taking drugs? <laughs> the Russian doping scandal, that's why. <laughs> right. And so like that's why they're concerned about it. And they're testing these people and they're like, no, I'm not taking any drugs. And they weren't taking drugs because what it turns out was that uh they had specific chromosomal patterns that allowed them to have an extra X or an extra Y that essentially was producing those hormones their entire life. They had no idea. And it may not have given them a competitive advantage. Sometimes it may have given them a competitive advantage, but like there were Olympians who had like their medals stripped in the nineties because they had a natural chemical imbalance that had no effect on them for the most part. But I mean, they're Olympians. So, but basically these extra scrutiny were like, they're just being too extreme in that case. And then sometimes they might be lenient in other cases, but uh, basically the, the, the genetic study of sex, shall we say, is only 30 years old it's not a, it's, it, it is a new field and the question of sex versus gender that we have had for a long time like the fact that we were evolving and like gay marriage has only been legal in the united states for what seven eight years now it's it, it's it's a new thing uh essentially the science that backs up this or that is relatively new for the most part wait and seven just in eight years gay marriage was legal? uh 2014 was when it was legalized by the supreme court I so wait my grandma was doing illegal shit like why does she yell at me about pot what the fuck is this shit <laughs> um but basically yeah um like these are new concepts that we as a culture have. like we grew up and people regularly made fun of drag regularly made fun of people who were trans and like they were just essentially a cultural punching bag for the most part. And so we are evolving as a culture. And I think that's part of why a lot of uh, comedians are having issues with this because comedy by its nature is um, set in a certain time. You are making jokes about a certain time and those jokes aren't evergreen because society changes. So like uh, Lenny Bruce's jokes don't hit the same way as they do in the 1950s and 60s. 
Bill Cosby's jokes definitely don't hit the same way they did back when people loved him in the 70s and 80s. When he got so, released was the funniest thing. Oh, my he, God. The video where he goes, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, damn oh. it. Why would you say that? Your first time out of look. But I when I was a kid, I used to go to and I was a chunky kid. I used to go to a restaurant like an Applebee's or something with my grandma and what I thought was her roommate. I didn't find out she was lesbian until I was in my 20s. And everyone really stared at us. And I thought they were just staring at me because I was out of shape. I had very self-conscious thoughts. And then I realized now that it was because they've never, that wasn't a normal thing back then. And I, I didn't really realize it, you know, completely slid under my radar. Cause I think just by talking to me, hopefully you can understand. I'm not a hateful person. I don't care whatever you want to be as a person. If you want to be gay, I have friends that are gay, whatever. It doesn't matter. Actually, close friend of mine well was a close friend we don't really talk a whole lot if you want to consider a text or a happy birthday on a facebook um but she was on my pot he was on my podcast as trans i could relate so much to that person because i'm body dysmorphic so that's why i have my workout addiction i you know when you realize looking into the mirror not seeing the thing that everyone else sees or feeling you're in the wrong skin i can relate to that a lot because you know i don't like the way Mm -hmm. i look and um it's it's just interesting because i look at it like I don't give a fuck what anybody wants to do as long as you're not hurting anybody else. But like when it comes to the, the Olympics thing, for instance, when it comes to the woman that smoked weed, someone told me, well, her mother had died a week before. That's why she was smoking weed. I was like, yeah, but you're an Olympian and you know, you're about to get tested for something like that. Then you shouldn't, I don't even want you to take Advil. I just wanted a hundred percent, no drugs inside of your body at all. Cause it's a natural competition to see who can be the best of their natural abilities. Now, when it comes to transgender, you bring up a good point of when you're younger and you do it and then it affects your older self okay i agree with that but when it comes to like that dude was 30 years old and then switched over and didn't disclose that didn't even mention it that's where i have an issue i'm like you have to mention something like that you have to bring up something like that and i get it if you feel oh, i never even thought of it because i've been this for this past years i get that but it's also i don't I, I, that's just, a, it's a complicated horse to tackle, especially that one. Cause I, I, we're now starting to see the rise of it and we never had anything to deal with this before. So it's like before the cell phone, it's like when we first got internet, nobody knew how to work that shit. Oh my God. I can look up tits on the internet. Now we fucking know. And it's like, now it's like, we're starting to realize that this is a, actually more common than we thought. And like I brought up before about native Americans and then people in Greek mythology, the stories of it, you start mm-hmm. to realize it's kind of been in here, but now it has a more vocal way of getting out a more free expression of it which i think is super important but the way of tackling it and way of trying to understand it better we're not doing that much to do so instead it's becoming right two woke articles where i have an issue of them changing what is it sharks they're changing the name of sharks oh, instead right. of being mm-hmm. called predators called them close encounters i'm like no fucking call it a predator it's a shark that doesn't give a fuck about what it's called if you and that dismisses the person that gets their arm bit off by a shark by the way. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that point is that like, I, I get why they want to rebrand it because people who uh, go out of their way to kill sharks, that is and like, like not the people who are eating sharks. That's, yeah. that's a different matter entirely. But the people who go out of their way to kill sharks, it killed like, my cousin, they're shooting it. Or yeah, things like that are like, they're just being a goober. And like, they happen to see a shark swim by their boat and they shoot them with a while they're uh, sword fishing. Yeah, that's like, I, I get why that they're wanting to do that. But <clears throat> essentially, there are aspects of that where it's it, it gets muddied because essentially the people who are pushing for that are the people who are shark scientists, shark uh, preservationists, because they want essentially to protect these communities that are important to the ecosystem. 
uh, that the sharks belong to. But then it gets kind of blown up where people kind of, uh, shall we say, politicize it. And uh, <clears throat> you can change the language, sure, that's that's fine. But you also have to understand that people are going to push back against that, like Pluto. People are always going to push back against Pluto not being a planet anymore. It makes perfect sense when you look at the science about why Pluto is not a planet. But people will always push back against it. Like, I, uh, my uh, my kids watch videos a lot, and like he's kind of into space. Uh, and so a lot of the videos were like they're naming the planets. They always end on Pluto, and like sometimes like Blippy, that little bastard. Um, he always kind of like, some people say that Pluto is not a planet, but I don't know. It's like, you're not, you, you could not tell me why Pluto is not a planet anymore. You could not tell me why it's not. And regardless of whatever your attachment to this tiny little ball at the edge of the galaxy or the edge of the solar system, like it, it doesn't change the fact that you don't know what you're talking about necessarily. But people have also politicized it. Like whether you're on the left or the right, like, oh, they just want to get rid of Pluto. Duh, 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 duh. Like, does it hurt you? Does I can tell you why. You? I can tell you why it does. Because when I made the diorama in science class in third grade, <laughs> I did more work. So I want to make sure I get the credit for that shit. There you go. You got to maintain it over, over <laughs> all the generations. It's for all time. But um, basically, um, and I, I, I get why the shark thing like why they want it. Like it's going to be, it's not going to be something that I'm going to want to work on. Like essentially one of the things with a lot of these things, right? People are talking about being like asexual or demi romantic or things like that. People that requires people to learn new terms and people don't like learning. It turns out humans are adverse to learning new things a lot of the times. And that's just like, a, like people want to get by with the bottom line. And by adding all these things on top of it, even if it makes sense, even if it's true in the case of the person who's asking you to call them uh, whatever, use whatever pronouns, you're essentially, you're requiring them to do work and humans want to get by on the bottom line. So they don't necessarily want to do the work to reimagine uh, this person. Like uh, my wife's best friend, uh, when we went to college with her, um, was, uh, was he was was a boy and they've always had gender dysmorphia as far as uh as far as i can tell as far as like everything she's told me about her past she's always had it she's always had this connection to this one uh quaker uh ancestor dysmorphia or dysphoria is what they have oh now that you've asked them dysmorphia is like how i have with my body where i look in the mirror i, I think it might be dysmorphia i think Dys it might be dysphoria is thinking that you are a different and I think I think it's actually both in the case of a lot of people who have that. Uh, like sometimes it's like strictly the body. Sometimes it's the mind and the body. Well, it's um, like ADHD and ADD. Mm -hmm. They're the yeah. same thing, but one right. has hyperactivity to it. Um, and in her case, basically, like for the entire time that we physically have known her, uh, they were always Nathan. And uh, like they flirted with the idea of using Maya and going by they well before people were concerned about pronouns. Uh, because she's always been connected to the, like the gender, like not necessarily the academic side of it, but kind of the cultural side of it. Uh, and so uh, she flirted with it for a while, but like we would have issues with like, we would always still want to say Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. And then uh, she moves to Portland and actually starts transitioning. And so we have had to make an active part of our vocab, like both my wife and I have had to work really hard on not misgendering uh, Maya. Because Maya is the name of that they've chosen because that's a, the name, uh, even though it's from Greek mythology, um, it was a name that was used by one of uh, her Quaker ancestors, I believe. I believe that's the case. It may be the last name, Corbin, that they're going by. But um, basically, um, there's a lot of issues that are wrapped into that. Like some of it's just the cultural, some of it's the, uh, like basically, 
she was raised in what she says is a cult. Uh, you may know it as Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, but um, basically, all these like it, it's a much bigger organization. Start it is printing T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, um, a lot of the issues that she has stem from being raised in that and her mind basically being abused by the uh, propaganda that she was raised in. And um, <clears throat> so like, basically as we have told our son and our daughter's nine months old, she doesn't retain anything at this point. Um, basically as we've talked about it, we've always tried to say aunt Maya and try to basically work on it so that um, he's aware of who he's talking, who we're talking about. And basically he knows that um, his aunt in Portland loves him and all this other whatnot um <clears throat> but basically like we had to make an effort on that and that effort was hard and i've had students that when i taught high school like they've transitioned now or they've changed their name and like it's difficult for me to change like when i'm texting and i'm like have a moment to like type it out i can i can catch myself but in person it's hard to basically separate yourself but like you have to be willing to make the work it's like if you are willing to have this relationship with this person you have to be willing to do like do the hard work of being there yeah. being aware and working with them i'm not I, the only issue <clears throat> i have is when if someone like they have the the neo pronouns where you can like some people change it like every hour i'm not i get it if you feel there's sometimes i feel feminine there's sometimes whatever you would call feminine i'm being more touch with your emotion side i guess i don't know that don't consider that feminine i just consider that being emotional person i'm emotional so many times but some people sometimes say that they feel like a male or they feel like a female I don't, I'm not, I'm not mad at that. What I get mad is if someone mistakes, gets it wrong on accident. And then those people fucking attack that person. I go, they, Hey, right. that's like, we talked about before about getting so hard to get people to change or learn something. It's, you can't get mad when they're trying and they just forget or something happens like an old dog, mm -hmm. new tricks. You can't get mad at that. You have to keep saying, right. Hey, let's mm -hmm. recount this and all this stuff. But also Tim Dillon, I was mentioned earlier, brought up a point of like, when you're ordering food that you have to say your pronouns before the waiter comes over and the waiter say his pronouns, order a fucking steak. I'm like, I, that's kind of how I am too. I just want to be simple as shit with stuff. I'm like, yeah, can I just get a steak or something? Like I always call, I call everyone, man. I don't know why I got like the big Lebowski logo in my category where I'm just like, Hey man, what's up? And it's like, uh, talking to us. And it's like two, two girls that walk into my gym. It's like, yeah, man, I'm like, always. Yeah, man. Always, always that right. I don't. And I'm not mm -hmm. trying to genderize anybody. It's just, I fucking say that it's like saying hello. When you don't know someone's name, like I don't, I, you've told me thousands of times, but I don't remember it. So I'm going to keep saying, Hey man, cause I don't fucking know your name. Like I'm, I right. want people to be whatever they want to be. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you cannot get mad if somebody slips up. Cause I mean, my right. grandpa Grace messes up. Yeah. My grandpa messes up all the time. I was like, Hey man, you, you can't say that anymore. And he goes, all right, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. I'm just trying to get a drink and fill up my gas. And I'm like, look, mm -hmm. I, don't, I know, right. but you got to understand people don't look at it with that sense. A lot of it's like, you're being <clears throat> mean to them. Right. And a part of that's like the, the puritanical side of things is like, is the people are, you, you cannot radically divorce a culture from what it was. And like, if you look at the French Revolution, they tried that. They tried really hard to divorce themselves from the French culture of the royalty and the bourgeoisie and all this other stuff. But it didn't work. You can't divorce somebody from everything that they've known. You can't just make up a new calendar and everybody agree to it all at once, unless, of course, you're in a totalitarian state or you're ancient Egyptians and you decide, like, okay, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to... Anyway, 
Um, <clears throat> but basically, it's it's difficult for people on the left and the right who do this that they want it to be this hard divorce going either towards an idolized past that didn't exist or towards a future that they want that may exist. But you can't just say, all right, we're in a new society and racism is over or yeah, I'm in a new society and everyone has to recognize my pronouns. Like, it's not how it works because that's not how we have conceived of our culture or our language. We are bound by the, con the conceits of our language. And because we have such a gendered, like in Japan, the pronoun issue does not exist because they don't use pronouns. They have no pronouns in Japan. So they don't have to worry about he, she, she, uh, she, or they don't have to worry about any of that. They don't have like in, in other languages where like they have a harder gender form than what we have, they address it in different ways. So like, uh, for example, in English, we have the Latinx community. We're basically like, instead of it being Latino or Latina, it's Latinx. Or it basically Latinx. it doesn't assume. I've heard it both ways. Um, but then I like, heard Biden addressed the Latinos. He said Latinx. <laughs> I was like, I think he means the Latino community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the issue with that is that it, it, yeah, okay, that works in English. But what about Spanish? What about this language that most of these people actually speak? They don't have a like, word for it. They don't have a word for it. So what people have suggested in Spanish is that they do Latine. Is that is like nay at the end, the NE, that is actually a gender neutral term because Spanish is a very gendered language where they have lots of words where basically words will change who you uh, based on who you are talking to. It's either cansado or cansada if you're talking about someone being tired. So basically, that's me using my Duolingo. I feel good about that. Anyway, um, basically, uh, in other languages, like we are bound by this these issues and that's why in uh, the english-speaking native american community they used the word two-spirit to refer to this system that exists that you talked about earlier where they had essentially a third gender and they have a different word for it in all the different languages that have third that have this third gender but in english they refer to it as two-spirit and it's understood that regardless of whether you are uh, whether you're first nations cree or whether you're apache or whatever that you belong to this community of like within your tribe within your cultural context you belong to this specific thing but in the larger english-speaking world you are two-spirit because basically it's, it's kind of going back to that that pseudo myth that in uh, in the inuit language there are 36 different words for snow which that's not necessarily true but there are lots of examples you can point to that are similar to that where basically cultures conceive of things differently based on the language that they speak so like there are um there are lots of words in like German. They're like the, the feeling that you get walking through a forest alone and feeling at peace. Like there's a word for that in German. There's not a word for that in English. So like certain words have been adapted and like we kind of mess with them a little bit. And it's kind of a hippy dippy kind of thing. Yeah. But we um, have a depression word. And then in the French, when they just call it call of the void, which is when you get on mm -hmm. a really tall building and then you look off of it and see like some voice tells you to jump. Mm -hmm. that's they yeah. call that depression here but i'm like that's called the void it's not it's just a <laughs> phenomenon that happens i'm not fucking right. depressed mm -hmm. yes and so lots of people have like uh like they have these concepts so uh, a funny example in japanese is that uh they don't use the word buffet to refer to buffets they use the word uh biking which uh, if you look at it like just look at it in the romanji written out in english you don't really know what it is but it's actually the word viking so basically, when you go to a buffet, you act as a Viking. You go and you get as much as you can, and you go back to your seat and you sit there with it like a Viking. Who Valhalla. Exactly. So basically, that's a funny example for kind of what we're talking about, where they have, instead of using the word buffet, they've chosen another word and they've adapted it. And then you've got languages it's, like Icelandic. It's fucking brainwashing, bro. Hang on a second. <laughs> like, listen to this one. This is my brainwashing example. Lockdown 
and quarantine. Two okay. same outcomes, but one seems aggressive and the other one is not. It's like when I say, hey, man, <laughs> or if I go, right. hey, man, it's like, oh, you got a little bit of twang to your fucking voice when you said that one. I don't know. I, 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 I've been bringing that up. I'm like, why did the, why did the words mean the two different things, but they're the same exact outcome? I start to look at it like, I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, and essentially those words weren't politicized prior to uh, March of last year. Like they meant kind of the same thing, but like now since the pandemic, they've been super politicized, but um, yeah, it's uh, I, there was something I was going to, say about, don't oh, you entice no, me by getting one. shake shack with a for a <laughs> fucking vax i can't i get so many calls from a number that's the vaccine line i've read it on air multiple times you're just like you're freaking me the fuck out it's like a it's like a needy like relationship i can't do that no yeah um like i had the uh, google app for a long time about like essentially if you had it and you got covid you could easily contact trace and all this other stuff and i never got covid so eventually i deleted it because I got vaccinated. I'm not, I mean, but uh, I mean, I think contact tracing is important, but uh, I got rid of the app because basically it would just bug the shit out of me. Like every day I would wake up and there'd be this big red button. It's like, Oh God, here it is again. But um, basically uh, another example of like politicized language that has kind of evolved as even in our lifetime, it's y'all like in the South y'all is like default. It's a gender neutral term. We've always used it. We love it and we live by it. And in high school, I decided I was going to get rid of my Southern accent. So like I actively went out of my way to uh, stop saying things with a, with a specific drawl. Uh, essentially my Southern accent was a lot more like this when I was younger, but uh, I got rid of it and now I sound more like this. Uh, but the one word I could not get rid of is y'all. I couldn't get rid of it. And I have just kind of adapted it. And since then I've noticed that as I've gotten older, thankfully, the rest of the country has decided they love y'all too. Okay, thank you. And uh, I yeah. said I so, say that all the time, so I'm like, I hope it's not <laughs> anything bad. No, no, no. It basically, like, but back in the day, if you said y'all, you were a fucking moron. Like, okay, when Bill Clinton said it, that's one thing. But when George Bush said it, my God, I mean, it, saying nucle nuclear, that's bad. But saying y'all. Well, back in the day, they thought like, um, you ever heard of like slower, like the, the slow South or like that, you, know, mm -hmm. you go farther yeah. South. That's all mm -hmm. from a fucking tapeworm. Yeah. And basically like, I like, that's like, part of the reason is like George Bush was president and I decided that I did not want to be lumped in with that. So that's why I purged my accent and the accent is coming back. Like I, I'm, it's not something that I'm actively doing. It's just something that's kind of coming back. And my wife code switch is really bad. We're like, she has her academic voice. And then she also has the voice she has when her parents call. And when she, when her parents call, it's like a completely different person is talking. But um, like, because she does that and because we're around her parents, I'm like, I have started code switching. I didn't used to code switch, but now I code switch around her dad, especially. Um, and so like my voice, gets a lot more Southern, gets a lot more Smackover in, as I call it, because she's from a town called Smackover, which should not be a name, but whatever. French is French. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, basically y'all is like, it's not just necessarily that like it has been reclaimed, not necessarily reclaimed, but basically other parts of the, U the US have taken it is that other countries are starting to use it too. Like I've heard a lot of Brits are using y'all now. Like when they say it, they sound very American, but like they're using it and they're using it sincerely. Like, so you can use y'all and like emphasize that you're trying to make fun of people from the South and don't get me wrong. People from the South need to be made fun of to be put back in their place, but um, put back in their place as equals, not as like uh, essentially looking down on this one part of the country that is a piece of shit. And like as a Southerner, I have issues with the South. I have a lot of issues with the South uh, that are, com that are, I mean, they're all kind of tied into each other. And like, it is, 
one of the unhealthiest places in the country and it is one of the most oppressive places in the country and that has like and that's even before you get to the questions of race or questions of gender but at the same time like there are people here who are doing their best and they're doing their damnedest and are not trying to actively oppress people with religion or politics or whatever so i think that you have to give them kind of a milieu of respect to an extent um that essentially all people in the south aren't the same just like all people like essentially the idea that like oh if you're anti-racist you recognize that all people of a certain race aren't the same aren't the same and that's true you want to get rid of those stereotypes but you can't you do that but at this you can't do that on one hand and then on the other hand to do that with people from the south i don't and, i also think that the world's running like we're running off oh find a common ground or find a similarity I don't think the similarity is what's going to connect us. I think it's our differences. The fact that mm -hmm. we are so different to, so much to learn from each other, that that's the yes. importance that we're going to have a longer rope to talk about than just, oh, we both like the Ravens. We both like whatever football team. No, bond over the things that are different because you're going to start to realize you can learn from each other. I mean, that's the mm -hmm. core thing is like, I right. just want people not to have to worry about wondering where their next meal is going to come from or having yes. to worry mm -hmm. about how hard life right. is. Because right now that's every problem that everyone's facing. There's a, uh, there's a lot of ways to say this, um, but uh, the one that I always fall back to is uh, your, last, uh, your last interview, we would know what I'm talking about. There's this thing in the Wiccan read, uh, which is kind of like the, the Lord's Prayer of, uh, Lord's Prayer of Wiccans, or essentially. Uh, First yeah. of all, you said interview, conversation, God damn it. Conversation, interview, whatever you want to call it. You call but, this an um, interview? We, didn't, we just talked. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a the last line of the wiccan read is and harm ye none do what ye will and like uh the levian satanists have a version the uh thelemites have their own version that's older and therefore they claim superiority because oh we're slightly older and alistair crowley is cool uh, but there's stuff that's older than alistair crowley that uh, crowley i'm sorry i'm not i always screw that up because pop culture has screwed me on it that's essentially all people say supernatural they call him uh, yeah. crowley even though like the british version is crowley say crowley but um Ouch. it's kind of like the also the issue with constantine like uh in the comics in the movie they like they like they say constantine that's the way in america we say the word constantine like if you're referring to in history his name is constantine the great uh but in in britain and the actual you know greek language it would be a constantine would how be how you would say that so like kind of blew my mind the first time i heard someone say constantine but i'm still stuck I mean, on you called this an interview what you know <laughs> uh mea culpa shall we say but um yeah basically the way that like people get caught up on language and try to become very puritanical about it it's kind of like uh essentially people who get caught up on people saying ain't ain't still has a lot of stigma around it like when you say ain't like i don't know if people in other regions of the u.s say it but in the u.s like just say ain't 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 is specifically used in a certain context because some people say ain't and i get slapped like, in the back of the head if i say that exactly so like in the Not south proper. when you're when you're using it you're using it in a specific context because you're trying to illustrate something that's kind of like a cultural norm like that ain't right Essentially, like you're you're saying that something isn't proper, but you're doing it in a improper way to emphasize that. And that's not necessarily true for all people. Some people are just they say ain't and they don't say don't or the alternatives you would say are isn't, so to speak. But um, basically, um, it's become a lot more normal for people to say ain't and not demonize it, even though at the same time. And I think part of that is that um, people fail to realize that what people in the 90s called Ebonics is actually a Southern, it's a form of the Southern dialect. 
is that basically African-American culture is Southern and it's in like, and it basically like, yes, there's a lot of African and there's a lot of European that came in there, but Southern culture is like this mixture of both. And that essentially like, yes, there's been a lot of diasporas from the South where uh, African-Americans have gone to other parts of the country and they had very good reasons for doing so. But that was them also taking their culture, which is Southern and taking it to other parts of the country. So that's why in uh, hip hop and rap, you hear a lot of language that people would say might be Ebonics, but at the same time, it's actually Southern. And the term Ebonics is actually very politicized and problematic in and of itself. But um basically like now these things are starting to be used in this, like normal parlance between people all over the country regardless of their uh race ethnicity or nationality and basically people are starting to utilize that and whether or not it's black southern or white southern and there there's an issue there about like which one started like essentially people saying that uh, rock music started with african-americans that's true even though it was white people who propagated around the country, it did start off in the African-American community and you has its roots in Africa itself. Like you can go to Africa and there are people who are playing guitars like, uh, like Elvis might have, for example. Um, it's not, obviously there's going to be some like 300 years of difference between the different styles, but uh, there's also the mixture that like, basically that has over time been propagated between uh, white Southerners and black Southerners, and to an extent, Native American Southerners and uh, Asian Southerners, because there's a subset of uh, Asians that came into the South uh, and were a combination of workers and just people who were coming to sell things, and they actually got lumped in with African Americans, and they basically have been here for about as long as everybody else, but nobody talks about it. No one's willing to talk about the fact that there's been a community in Mississippi of Asian people from China, the Philippines, and Japan for, oh, 200 years now. But um, basically, that it's, it's, it's this kind of thing where people assume that culture is a single thing and it has to maintain its purity yeah. throughout all time. And that w people do not realize that culture cannot exist without being married to another culture. Essentially, culture does not exist in a vacuum, and it's constantly changing through the interaction with other cultures. Like in mythology, people always talk about Ishtar and Inanna and all this stuff. And all that is is that over time, the culture evolved and started speaking a new language. So Inanna became Ishtar, and Ishtar eventually became Aphrodite, if you want to put that theory forward. But um, basically, a lot of people, and this is on the left, the right, the middle, whatever you want to say, they want culture to be, instead of a uh, a continuum they want it to be a set system and that's easy for an academic too because academics want to study one thing and they don't want it necessarily to be muddied by other things around it so in my uh in my field people like to talk about japan and they want to focus on japanese things focus on japanese history culture but they fail to realize that a lot of that is influenced by the chinese by the koreans by the philippines by the spanish by the portuguese the dutch like japan is not the isolate that people want to portray it as it's not a homogenous society. It's never been a homogenous society, even though we pretend it is. People like to talk about like Japan is an example of an ethnostate. And that's true to an extent. It is kind of an example of this is a state where everyone is of the same race, but that's also not true. There's lots of Japanese races. There's lots of people who are uh, of different, of, of mixed uh, ethnicities in Japan. And that's been true for as long as there's been a Japan. And there's a lot of racism that goes into Japan too. Japan, oh yeah, Chinese, Japan Vietnamese, is super everybody. racist. Yeah, and like there's a lot of issues that like even new issues. Like there are people. Uh, my uh, my wife's uh, 
or my son's best friend's mom is like very like like she loves anime and she's super into Japanese culture but she also was raised in a country that was also very anti-Japanese and very racist against Japan and like a lot of that comes from a lot of the stigma a lot of the trauma that comes from uh, what happened during World War II in, in China because like that shit was like my my field is the atomic bomb and looking at like uh, so I've seen a lot of the pictures about like what the bomb did to people, what the bomb did to fetuses that were that came out after the bomb. That's another episode, bro. Yeah, that's you're I mean. hitting you're hitting so many <laughs> topics. We're about to hit the two hour mark. So I was like, hang on a second. Can we get it? Mm-hmm. Can I get you on again? Yeah, absolutely. I want to once ta- I'm moved, though, once I'm moved, I'm about to say, because your wife's already pissed that I took you for two hours. But hang on a second. That's <laughs> I got to I got to talk about that because I've studied the Manhattan Project. I've talked about it a little bit, too, but I want to know more in case you have like I remember seeing a video of a bunch of sailors. They launched one of the uh, one of like the bombs off in the distance. They were all on a ship and they told the people to like duck down with their head in between their knees and have that. And they talked about they could see through their eyelids like an X-ray mm-hmm. and see their yeah. bones. And I'm like, that's fucking nuts. Mm hmm. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff about the nuclear. Uh, I'm just going to call them all experiments because at this point they're still experiments. But um, basically, like that is a whole can of worms separate from myth. But um, there's a lot of st- like the like the I'm not going to call it the battle, but I'm not going to call it the usual name. Nanking, Nanking, like the pictures of Nanking are probably some of the worst human atrocities I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of human atrocities and I've seen a lot of gore and I've seen a lot of terrible things, but Nanking is probably the top of that list. And as like my professional, like what I study is people who were affected by the atomic bomb. And I mean, that, that shit's fucked up, but Nanking was worse. Infinitely, infinitely, infinitely worse. Well, that's definitely another episode. I know that for a fact. Yeah. I'm going to put, so I, obviously when we get to the 900s, I'll just get you, you got to give me some date. When are you moving, dude? First of all, that's the big uh, we are moving at the end of the month. Basically we leave Arkansas on the 29th and we take our keys on the 1st of August. And then it'll probably be, my wife starts, I think at the end of the month at Rollins. And then we'll just see from there. I mean, honest to God, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I would love to come on and talk about that or talk. Hell about yeah. That. Hell yeah. So. We're talking about that. Um, where can people find you on your links right now? Um, all your sites, Twitter, Instagram, podcast, everything. Uh, universally, I can be found at the Goddessy podcast on pretty much all social media, Instagram, Facebook, and primarily Twitter. Twitter is where I'm mostly at, where I'm most active. I have posts that are posting right now because Hootsuite is useful and they better not start charging me. But um, that's where you can find me. You can also find me at uh, The Real OG Right. Uh, my last day of teaching high school, my students got my phone and made me an Instagram and a Twitter account. And so that's my name <laughs> and I hate it, but I, I stuck with it because uh, actually one of my, one of the students, the student who made me my Instagram account actually plays for the Chicago Bulls now. Hell yeah. Is, yeah. It's so like, good on you, Dan Gafford, but you made me my Instagram account that I post my children to. But um, yeah, so basically I, uh, I can be found there. <laughs> I'll make sure to link it all in the description. Thanks for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast.